This episode was sponsored by Critical Dice and the Endless Bag of Dice. Welcome to the Compendium, a resource designed to help you spend less time learning D&D and more time actually playing. Welcome back to the Compendium. Uh, we're, Jason and I, were really looking forward to this week's episode because it has been, I think, long awaited. Today we are going to be breaking down the Bard class, which Jason and I both reference all the time on the podcast because both of us are basically real life bards. And yeah, so I'm really much. excited to actually dig into this and unpack it a little bit and explore some of the, the ways that you can get creative with such a, a class that's based off of creativity, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's also the unofficial class of Forever DMs when they finally get to play. Oh, really? I don't think I've yeah. ever noticed that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, what it is, is part of it, like you said, like the versatility, creativity. I mean, if the DM was a class, Bard would be the closest thing, right? Because they're creating stuff, weaving of stories, all of that kind of stuff. And then also, I know a lot of DMs when they finally get a chance to play, especially if they have the the oh so common curse of always having to run the games, that they will typically pick their class last, again, wanting to serve the party and fill in whatever gap uh, might be there strategically or story-wise. And oftentimes a bard can do any of those roles, uh, again, speaking to its versatility uh, as well. And so it, it ends up being that for a lot of DMs. I know it is for me. It, it, it's not the reason I love bards, but it, it, it goes with the grain, shall we say. So how many bards have you played in I your mean, D&D it, lifetime? Oh, it's, it's more than two hands. It's, <laughs> it's yeah. Probably okay. What percentage of characters? Let's do it that way. Would you say out of all the characters you've ever played, oh what gosh. percentage of them have been bards? Would you say? Casey, do you know how Come hard on. that question is? Um, like 89% or <laughs> okay, of, all, of all the classes I've, I've, uh, all the characters I've played in the actual game, not just made, it's probably going to be something closer to 65, 75%. Um, of all of the characters I've made, it's probably closer to 90 or 80. Um, yeah, averages are funny like that, aren't they? They are, aren't they? And then also, too, like, if, you know, we were going to, like, just grab a game and play right now, I'd just pick a bard. It, it's the easiest thing. Uh, and typically half-elf as well, because, yeah, I, I, I have deep thoughts about this, but go ahead. <laughs> well, that is why we're here. We are here to explore all of those deep thoughts and give our perspective on the class, all of the different ways that you can utilize it. Um, and so I think that's what's going to make this conversation today really fun. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what a bard is. Most people that are uh, aware of D&D know that a bard is, you know, usually like a performer. But for me personally, going into D&D with like zero knowledge of fantasy, uh, that term was brand new to me. So that word and that concept was one that I kind of had to learn. So um, yeah, like a bard typically in D&D is presented as a musician. It's actually like very specifically presented that way. But I kind of feel mm -hmm. like it could encompass a lot of the creative realms, creative fields of like creation, art, um, performance. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think as 
uh, fifth edition has grown and more books have come out, they have tried to add subclasses and specializations that kind of show that myriad, that diversity of all of that. But absolutely, um, to, to give like the one sentence description of like what is a bard is they are a magic user that works with the magic of emotion, indirect magic, and creativity. Um, and to kind of piggyback off of the description from the player's handbook is the bard is a master of song, speech, and the magic that those things contain. Bards say that the multiverse was spoken into existence and that the words of the gods gave it shape. And that the echoes of those primordial worlds of creation, words of creation, still resound throughout the cosmos. The music of bards is an attempt to snatch and harness those echoes, subtly woven into their spells and powers. It's like See, it's so it's chills. just yes, that and that's what a bard is, right? It's using that language essentially mm -hmm. to affect people, and sometimes it's not in good ways. Sometimes it's oh. nasty spells for combat, but it's that concept of like you can use words to you know give people goosebumps. You can use them to like make people feel really stressed out or overwhelmed very quickly, mm -hmm. um, or or inspired or. Um, uh, or buffed in some way like they're, they're very much again it, it's about the subtlety it's they're not going to be typically the ones that are calling down fire from the heavens or raising an undead army they're the ones who help the party get over the tipping point to success and the ones that hinder the bad guys and so they can uh they can they grasp at the wind and catch defeat so they're kind of like the cheerleaders in a sense of the team like they're the ones kind that are of. there they're inspiring everything that's going on right they inspire the 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 crowd uh they are inspiring the team to like go and do the best that they can which sometimes can be that motivation that the fighter or the barbarian needs right to push through that final uh yeah. you know it, round and, and yeah, and cheerleader might be good. I also think like maybe like a manager, like if you think like pro wrestling or a boxer, like the manager is, is a good option. I'm glad that you well. clarified that because my brain went to like retail manager and I was no, like, okay, yeah. where are you drawing this no, comparison? That, that is a sad, sad yes. role. And I, I'm I've I've done it and I think you have too. Uh but um yeah, they really are. There uh, and you know when we talked to to Keith Alman way back um, with his book uh, the monsters know what they're doing he talked about different like party roles of like a striker and uh, you know um, those kinds of things but in in that kind of framework you have things like tanks and um, uh, blasters and you know glass cannons and all of that. Uh, but controller is probably the one that fits the the bard the best. They are a controller and they are putting their will out into the world to control it and not typically the world itself, but the things that inhabit that world, I think is probably the best way to think about that because sorcerers are also kind of, uh, you know, charisma based the force of will based but they're changing the rules of reality 
bards are are usually affecting people so it's illusions mm. and emotions and mind and and that kind of stuff and mm -hmm. so uh but uh i would probably say they might be the best um just holistically especially below level 20 the best arcane caster uh in the game just in the same way that a cleric is the best divine caster in the whole game yeah what do you think about the idea because I, I think i had heard i had heard this once or read it somewhere the idea of a bard that's a painter right and their cast yeah. their, their like arcane focus is like a paintbrush or something the the phb is written very distinctly especially with how you did like read the description of like you're you're using words that were spoken to, into existence mm -hmm. but you could translate that into you know a picture is worth a thousand words um you're harnessing like that still in a different way what do you think about that idea of taking that idea of a bard as being a musical performer and overlaying that onto different types of creative fields oh yeah absolutely i i i think that the class certainly can bear that weight and can uh, accept that level of customization um, as written and especially as, as other books have come out, things like College of Creation um, and Glamour, um, where it's more visual um, and material based like a lot of um, you know traditional art is like with painting, sculpture, that kind of thing. But yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, they've done things too, like the Bard of Eloquence, where it's just like a motivational speaker or a spoken word, you know, poet, uh, which I think is really I'd cool love to too. see somebody play that as William Shatner doing his spoken word. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and the same piece can be used for Bardic Inspiration or for Vicious Mockery. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the same it just really it's just it's it's about like three degrees different you know it, yep. it's the, Add that the, to your the difference book. is so small yeah somebody mark that down um yeah exactly so yeah it it really is just a great class um because they're so well-rounded because they can fit everywhere um they have a lot of reasons to go adventuring a lot of ways to integrate into different societies or to be um out traveling the wide world kind of alone um it's it, it's probably one of the easiest ones once you understand it to kind of like crawl inside and, and live in and go yeah i get this but it's not without yeah. it it's 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 downsides or at least perceived downsides and derision over the years and decades for sure. Um, I, I think that those who have been with the game for decades, they remember in the old days when bards were a joke, like, like why would you play a bard? The, the phrase that comes to my mind is toot toot magic flute, um, where it's just like, really, you're gonna, okay. All right, listen, yeah, you stay over there to inspire us with your, your songs and we'll go you know, kill the demigorgon or whatever. And it was just, and it was, it, it was just a, a hot mess of concept as well as mechanics. Mm -hmm. um, and then what's interesting though, is that in fourth edition, the, the one we don't talk about, um, the, much like Bruno, we don't talk about it. It was our wedding day. How could he do that to us? Um, but it's, they had the warlord, which was a, a strategist and a, uh, could do a lot of things that the bard now could do 
And it was an attempt to see a more martial version and competent version, I think, of the Bard back then. And we owe a lot of debt, I think, to that addition and to the Warlord class uh, to have the Bard be as good as it is now and really does feel like a viable option when for so many years it just wasn't. So is, is, is fifth edition really where it kind of came into its own and became yes. something a little bit more impressive Absolutely. and fun to play? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's where you got things like the Warlock and the Bard, where you got things uh, like cantrips that you just, you know, always on powers. A lot of this was kind of previewed in fourth edition in, in various ways. Uh, charisma casters taking over the world, um, you know, like uh, like the Warlock, the Sorcerer the bard and the um, paladin that just charisma was a no class used charisma before fifth edition and so uh just a, it was a big sea change i think but yeah right uh one of the things that you mentioned which i think is a really good segue into kind of carrying on the conversation about like you know building a bard and looking at a bard is they have a lot of reasons to go adventuring yeah. um so let's talk a little bit about kind of the I don't want to use the word background because that refers to a different mechanic in D&D, but like right. the history of a bard character. Um, because one of the things in the player's handbook that I really liked is that obviously they're all about stories. And so their mm -hmm. backstory is, is probably very important, maybe even the most important out of any of the different classes that you could pick to have that really cool backstory. Um, and one of the ones it had in there was like, maybe their backstory was incredibly boring. And they had no stories to tell about it, which was just withering away their soul. Yeah. And so they had to get out and go like explore and experience something because they lived in the most mundane, boring town that never did yes. anything, which that concept yeah. to me was just so funny. And like, oh, it's ironic so good. To think it's, about. it's like the theater kid with big, like Broadway aspirations who grew up in a small town in Iowa. And they're just like, I, I got to get out of here. I just yeah. got to like, if I look at another stock of corn, I'm going to lose my mind, you know? Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. And like, they go on to, you know, uh, to write rent or something, basically, because they have to go out into the world and live life They have to experience things. How can I write songs about uh, dashing heroics and maidens saved and, and uh, towns and kingdoms if I've never seen any of these things, you know, or experienced any of these things, you, you know, genius doesn't come out of nothing. You have to you feed it raw material. Um, right. I mean, it's kind of like, I, I don't know if you watched The Witcher, uh, the show. I mean, no, it's a game too, obviously, but Yasker, the bard in that, mm -hmm. like, essentially he's, he's presented as singing these bardic tales that are terrible because he's never seen any of this stuff that he is singing about. So he goes along with The Witcher because he's like, I need to actually see this so I can yeah. sing well and do the, mm -hmm. what I want to do. And so that's how he got connected into like the whole story was like, everyone was booing him because they're like, do you even know what you're talking about? And he didn't, which is why he wanted to go adventure and find out yeah. for himself. It's like the it's like that scene in um, Monty Python's Search of the Holy Grail uh, of like I just want to sing, and you know, and they're like he's going to tell, he's going to tell. He's like no, 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 stop that, no more singing. You know, I just, I, I just, uh, I love it so much. Um, but um, yeah, bards, they're the best. It's yeah, I think it'd be fun too as a bard to have like a 
almost even like make yourself a roll table of past experiences. So like mm-hmm. when you guys are sitting down around the campfire, as you're just walking or doing traveling, you could just drop some weird sort of like, like if someone says like, oh my gosh, that tree over there looks like blah and be like, yeah, just like my second lover or something yes. bizarre. And then just like have the whole table, which knows nothing about your character yet. Mm-hmm. Be like, what now? And keep pulling these random stories out of your back pocket of like stuff that your bar did before they joined up with the adventuring group or just different things like that I think you could have a lot of fun yeah. with stepping into that storytelling role yeah like they're down in the mines and uh killing the monster who's threatening the the, the miners in the town by extension and like the the giant like otog you know comes out of the cave walls you know uh ready to fight and the bard's like huh I've never seen one that color which is true, but it implies something else. Yeah. You know, you're like, wait, what's going <laughs> wait, on? Wait, you've you? seen what? <laughs> uh, we should probably fight first. We'll talk about this later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. and the, I mean, you, the thing is too, is like you said, they're, they're really well accepted in like any town, which I think that could be a huge story point because there's a lot of races that are not well accepted, right? You've got your half orcs, you've got your um, tieflings, potentially half elves could also fall into that yeah. racial category of like the kind of slightly shunned. But if you're a bard, it's almost like being a circus performer, if you will, yeah. right? People want to see curiosities. They want to see things they're not used to. So yeah. you'd actually be welcomed. And so that could be a really great way if you want to play like a tiefling and the DM has set up, hey, these are not very well looked upon in real world. Anytime you go into a town, your, your character will have problems to be like, haha, I will make them a bard and yes. solve the problem. Exactly. Yeah. And bards are really important too for civilized society with, uh, you know, being heralds and messengers and ambassadors. Uh, They're important for common folk because they can bring the news from not too distant lands and also tales and epics of far away places and times. Uh, And then on top of that as well, they're just, they're, they're great to be, you know, you know, to, espionage and charlatans and acrobats oh, the king needs and performers. A new oh yeah, yeah i can do that <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly it's yeah and I, court. and I think the case for the bard has only been helped too with things like critical role where you you have such a magnetic and, and helped manic. and hurt <laughs> okay well it, it did something hurt. it did something um, yes that is uh, undisputable a personality like sam regal playing scanlan where now almost the dna community is like oh yeah bard got it you know you're like okay hold on though hold on bards don't have to be incredibly horny um which yep. is the other <laughs> thing we have not like talked broke. about and i'm just like uh so that, that's the thing is like i have never played a bard that way and that's just my personality i think and my you know my own deal but like there's nothing in the description or the lore or the kind of like setup in the player's handbook that that says they have to be a bunch of horn dogs uh but yet here we are and like 90 percent of the bards are like like is he hot and you're like okay listen no the gorgon's not hot it's like isn't it though and you're like okay fine yes it's hot uh you know you're like okay <laughs> this is not the story i thought we were going to tell um <laughs> Um, and so, yes, you can play them that th- that direction for sure. But uh, you could play, and you could say that about any character, though, right? Any that's class. true. And so, it's not 
it's something that is perpetuated, but really has no foundations if you're looking at the PHB, right? If you're no, looking at the, the raw, like stuff, like materials, um, it, it's not there. Which I so think that's something says society more, has presented yes. to us that we've adopted and perpetuated over the years. I think it says more about us as the community than it does about <laughs> the class as presented. I'm just going to sure. put it out there. So, so let's yeah, take well, a look at a building yeah. your level one bard, uh, because unsurprisingly on that topic of, you know, bards being horny seducers, um, mm -hmm. charisma is where you need to put your main stat, right? So yes. like, there's a reason why this stereotype is perpetuated, but let's mm -hmm. take a look at building that level one character. If you're, if you're, um, rolling your, or doing your standard array, however, you're, you're building that character sheet where you want to allocate some of those yeah. abilities to why we want to do that and kind of what you get as your level one intro bard. Yeah. So uh, charisma obviously is the main uh, uh, ability score because that's their spellcasting ability, as well as it keys off a ton of the skills that they get. And they do get a lot of skills, uh, probably more than I think than any class or very, very close to it. And then followed by dexterity. They're they're pretty hardy. They can you know wear some armor, but dexterity is a great, easy way to uh to kind of keep up in battle to not get hit used range weapons or finesse weapons so dexterity is always yeah. a great second choice for well, just about every class it makes so much sense with the story too because like a dancer yeah. right a performer you mm -hmm. have to be dexterous to be able to move around to the be stage graceful. to perform yeah yeah so it like flows well into both of those i think yeah, it really does. And they recommend the entertainment, uh, the entertainer background unsurprisingly. Uh, and some other things, unsurprisingly, although I can make a case for almost any of them. Uh, full hero, charlatan, maybe both at the same time. But yeah, so uh, bards, they get a, uh, a D8 for their hit points, uh, which is better than the wizard, uh, which is a lot of fun because uh, they move around a little bit more. Um, and then they also proficiency in light armor, which is really unusual um, for arcane classes. Until we got the artificer, I don't think we had any um, of the arcane classes that came with a armor proficiency. Um, maybe the warlock. I'm double checking right now. Um, but uh, yeah, they had light armor. Okay. Uh, so, because uh, typically people don't think of spellcasters as being able to wear armor, and mm -hmm. that's just because they lack the proficiency to do so. But if they have proficiency, they can wear that all day long and still cast their spells no problem. So that's kind of a nice little bump. They get also simple weapons and uh, hand crossbows, rapiers, short swords, and long swords. And um, a lot of those are going to use that dexterity. So that's actually a pretty great little loadout right from the get-go. Um, mm -hmm. Three musical instruments of your choice. Dear God, why? There's so many. <laughs> I'm just like, and I always like go for like- We need to have like the one-man band kind of style uh -huh. bard that has like every time they walk, you know, like Bert from uh, Mary Poppins. Yes. <laughs> it's a jolly holiday with Mary. It's like, okay, um, every time you roll stealth, you're at disadvantage. Tri triple disadvantage. All of y'all. Um, <laughs> Uh, like, unless I want to be the distraction. Um, but uh, they, uh, I always try to like pick something wild with those musical instruments, like bagpipes, uh, just because I can. Um, they also get saving throws for dexterity and charisma, unsurprisingly. And then three skills of any uh, anyone you want, which is great. Just, 
any three skills. Boom. Uh, starting equipment, you know, rapier or a long sword or another simple weapon, uh, diplomatic pack or entertainer's pack. Again, going back into the lore, and then the instruments, a lute or another instrument of your choice, and then leather armor and a dagger. Not bad at all. Um, now they get spell casting right off the jump, which is really great. Um, and their uh, spell casting is pretty typical uh, when compared to things. Uh, like a sorcerer or a wizard um, where they have a certain number of spells they know. Um, in this case, it's just four, just four. Uh, and then uh, increasing spell slots as they go up in level. So two first level spell slots at first level, they get their first second level spell slot at third level and so on and so forth. Um, and they just get to learn one new spell every level as they go up um pretty consistently after they get past like level 10 it jumps a little but basically new new spell uh new level new spell level uh a new spell known rather uh and uh yeah and so unlike the wizard where they know more things than they can prepare uh they just know the spells they know no you know uh not, not going to worry about preparing anything you know what you know and go for it. As long as you have a slot, you're ready to go. Um, right. And and then they also start off with two cantrips, and then they end up, you know, knowing four total at the end, unless you do something clever. Right. But, um, well, I like some of that too, because as you were talking like about the leather armor and the dagger, mm -hmm. um, it, it kind of came to mind that if you're a bard, you're a performer, your performances come from your known stories. And so chances are good you're talking about people, people who may not like to be yeah. talked about, right? Yeah. So there's there's a strong possibility that you need to protect yourself or yes. be wary on your travels. Whereas like a wizard, right? They're just wanting to read books. What why yeah. would anybody be coming? Why would they need to look over their shoulder? They wouldn't. Whereas a bard, it's like they're a performer, but what they perform about could be controversial. And it so could, they might yeah. need a little bit of, uh, you know, support in the protection department. In the soft, squishy region zone. Right. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, because they're they are good. Because that's like you said at the outset, bards are meant to be out in the world, and the world is dangerous sometimes uh much to the delight of the bards because they want to hear about it um yeah. and then, the, then the other cool thing they get which is one of their defining features is bardic inspiration um and so what this is is it is a bonus action for a bard uh you can pick another creature other than yourself within 60 feet who can hear you now as a dm i would probably flavor this based on however they choose to do their artistic expression uh, who can see you who can vibe with you whatever it is um and you can give them a d6 um and you um those those dice get bigger as you go up in level but basically you, you you're like hey you can do it um you know uh uh other encouraging words you know just like get in there champ slap on the butt as they run into the front line to attack the orc uh you give him a it's like d6 the genie, right mm -hmm. when he's talking to yeah. aladdin yes yes ow, ow, he's our man he can't do it no one can go out <laughs> right oh uh, yeah exactly that, that's, that's precisely it beautifully done uh and so that character is going to get that d6 to hold on to and they can add it uh to an ability check an attack roll or a saving throw so basically any d20 role that they have um and uh you can and you can choose to add it 
after you roll, but before you know what the result is. A pretty common. Right. I was going to say there's a really big caveat there that tends to get easily overlooked that you can, say, if you're attacking, right, you roll your d20, you can add on your your proficient, all of your modifiers, all of that stuff. Let's Mm -hmm. say you have a 14. And you're not sure if a 14 will hit the monster or not, but you really need this to hit. You can then decide to roll that D6, add the three that you got from there. And then at that point, tell the DM, okay, this is my my total roll. Yeah, and then You can't say, does a 14 hit? No, okay, here, let me roll my D6. How about this? Right. Right. And I know a lot of tables play fast and loose with that. I, I know I don't particularly care because I want them to succeed, but in a very strategic game or one with really high stakes, I could really see the importance narratively for the tension and the drama, which surely the bard can appreciate of enforcing this rule for sure. Um, And then once you spend it, it's lost, and you can only have one of those on you at a time. Um, And a, a bard has a number of those dice to hand out uh, the, the, these encouraging uh, epithets uh, to hand out equal to their charisma modifier. And then they get them all back at a long rest. Um, and as they go up in level, these will get bigger uh, from D6, D8, D10 to a finally a D12, which can be a game changer. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so that's level one. Okay. So with having a a kind of an idea of level one what you get right out the gate going into your adventure um let's start looking at leveling up your bard as we go level two and beyond um not taking into account the subclass which in in bard language is known as your college just what every single bard no matter the, the subclass that you pick will get as they level up each time yeah, exactly. Uh, second level, they get jack of all trades. My favorite, uh, absolutely, because basically what it does is any skill that you don't already have proficiency in it, in you can add half your proficiency to. Yeah. So you're pretty good at everything. Not to mention, a lot of times you can have a ton of skills as a bard, and so either so basically like half the skills you'll be proficient in. Uh, a few of those you'll have expertise in, and then the rest, yeah, you're pretty good at. Uh, yeah, which is yeah. So, like in the it. in the start of the episode when we were talking, you said that that a lot of times DMs tend to pick bards because they fill in gaps, mm-hmm. and usually bards are good at kind of filling in whatever gaps happen to exist there. And I think part of the reason why is that idea of like jack of all trades, right? Yes. Um, and I think. I, I love when I found this out one day, I just want to share it. The the phrase jack of all trades can sometimes yes. be a negative, right? Mm-hmm. Because you think like jack of all trades, master of none. It's like, well, what good is that if it's like, you know, I dabble in a little bit of everything. But if you actually know the full quote, it's jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Yes. And it's it's that it's that like personified in a bard is that idea of like i've sampled everything and i can do all of it well enough yes i have tasted the smorgasbord of life and i know a a lot about a little or a little about a lot one of those two Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um persuasion Dang it. Um, uh, Song of Rest, uh, whenever you're doing uh, a short rest and you can re-roll hit dice, uh, your bard can play like lovely music. And uh, basically you can get an extra 1d6 hit points back. Um, Again, these also go up 
pretty similarly to your uh, Bardic Inspiration, but they max out at uh, a D12. So you can kind of like, again, slightly influence how well they heal using that musical magic. Right. And just to clarify, it's one die that each player mm -hmm. can use per short rest. It's not one for one. Like if you expend two hit dice as the fighter in your group, Correct. you don't then get to roll 2d6, right? It's just, it's just a single d6. d6 for you, as well as whatever, however many hit dice you decide to expend. Correct. And early on, that can be huge because oh, when, yeah. when you lose hit, when you're done with your hit dice, a short rest isn't going to benefit you anymore. So uh, not as, as much. So this is a great way to do that. Yeah. Um, third but level. You have to use hit dice, right? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, let me check that. Um, I'm pretty sure that in order to reap the benefits of that, you yes. have to roll at least yes. one hit die. So if you right. have expended all of your hit die, you wouldn't be able to good. still get a bump at your short rest. You have to have at least right. one to roll. Exactly. But in the, find yourself in a situation where you could really go for like, you have four hit dice and you want to spend two of them because that's how much you're probably going to need. You could just go with one and then let the song of rest bump you up. And now you have more for next time. But yes, mm -hmm. it, whenever you're taking a short rest and you regain hit points by spending hit dice, then you can do the song of rest. Right. Um, so bar to college, uh, pick that the subclass up at third level. Uh, also you get expertise, uh, just like a rogue does. Uh, you can pick two of your skill proficiencies and your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make that uses either one of those. So there's where you get like super good as you start to specialize a little bit in a few different things. Uh, so that's kind of nice. Um, what do you recommend people usually dump that into? Obviously, oh, it depends a little bit on character, but it, if you're just looking yeah. at, at a bard, like build the best bard, would what would you dump that bard. into? I reject the premise of that question. Um, but uh, there is no best bard, but persuasion typically uh, is a really, really good one. Um, and if you also uh, have taken some things like intimidation or deception, that would be really good. If you've got proficiency in uh, per, uh, perception, that would be also a great one. Acrobatics is another good one. Slot of hand, you know, all the, the hits. Are you just reading off of the list now? No, no, it's all <laughs> top of my head. Yeah, I, I did, I did like not bring- reading all of them I at this did point. not bring notes to the jury box, Your Honor, I promise, uh, to the witness box. Um, so uh, fourth level, you get your first ASI, your ability score improvement. Uh, standard number of those, nothing really big with that. Uh, fifth level is kind of cool. You get fonts of inspiration. Uh, remember how we talked about those bardic inspiration die that you only have so many of them and you only get them back during a long rest. Now you can get them back at a short rest or a long rest, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, sixth level, you have counter charm, which I don't see used as often, uh, which is a shame. Uh, sixth level, you basically can use your words or music to disrupt mind influencing effects. So you can take an action and, uh, for the whole action, you're basically going to be performing your performance. It doesn't have quotation marks around it in the text, but it should, whatever that means. <laughs> Interpretive dance to get you out of the thrall of the mind flare. Um, but basically, cre uh, friendly creatures around you within 30 feet have advantage on saving throws against being frightened or charmed, which is really good against things like, you know, dragons and fae. Um, and if they can hear you or potentially see you, I, I allow that kind of flavoring in my games. Um, 
and uh, it lasts as long as you continue to to do it. Uh, to perform. Next, yeah. So it, it's basically like a you do do as an action, and you it lasts until the uh, end of your next turn. But you could choose to just re up it every turn and keep buffing them in that way. That doesn't use any other resource other than your action. Uh, doesn't use up dice. Doesn't use up spell slots. Nothing else. You can just do it. Um, but yeah. Uh, level 10, uh, expertise. You can pick two more skills to be, uh, to get double proficiency in, which is great. Um, and then um, the last couple of things here are all the same thing. At level 10, 14, and 18, you get magical secrets. You have plumbed the depths of uh, the forgotten world and time, and you've discovered how to do new things, basically. Um, you can choose two spells from any class, including Bard, as long as you can cast them, and they count as Bard spells for you, and they are uh, included in the number of spells, uh, your spells known. So when it comes time for you to get a new spell, you now all of the books are open to you. Notice how it did not say arcane spells. It's cleric spells, divine spells, arcane spells, any of the spells. Because bards, their kind of portfolio magically has a little bit of everything from everybody, unsurprisingly. Because they can cast Cure Wounds, which is a divine domain. But they also can do things that are clearly like wizard and sorcerer spells. So it's kind of fun that now they have everything open up to them. And so when people want to argue about like, oh, well, my level 20 wizard can do cast wish or uh, meteor uh, swarm or whatever. It's just like, yeah, so can my bard. Like, who cares? You're like, oh, right. Right. And like on um, one hand, that doesn't make sense, right? Because you're thinking, especially like divine domains, like those are getting, people are getting those from their gods. But yeah. on the other side of that, if you pull back further, if you're tapping into that echo of creation, the go. person created the gods, right? The person that spoke them or the thing or entity, however you want to mm-hmm. imagine that, that spoke them into existence. You're going to the above them to their boss, basically. Yeah. Kind and of, so it yeah. makes sense I can also that you see, could tap into that because yeah. you're going straight to the source. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, like, I mean, because you're a, a cleric and a bard would both be getting their their uh, power for their spells from a god. It's just that one is a licensed distributor and the other one is using, you know, refurbished parts and recycling to upcycle stuff, right? That, that's basically what they're doing, but they that's why they don't have a full portfolio necessarily but they can accomplish (laughs) yeah it's like the no-name brand it's like you know the smith brand um so yeah it's it's pretty cool um and they get that uh three times so 10th level 14th level 18th level and then their kind of capstone ability superior inspiration is it's fine it's nothing to shout about but at 20th level when you roll for initiative and you have no uses of your bardic inspiration left you regain one use so when the chips are down, you're always ready. Okay. Yeah, that seems, especially compared to other ones, that seems kind of blasé. Yeah. But where you're getting your power from is not leveling up to a capstone. It, you're getting it along the way and you're kind of already supercharged by that point. And so it makes sense that they're just kind of giving you something that it, that can be really helpful to everyone else, but doesn't necessarily affect you 
and your abilities because you're kind of tapped out already yeah. by that point. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you're you you still can always think of something to to do, something to say, right? Yeah. So now that we know what every bard will get, right? No matter who you are, mm -hmm. every single bard you will always have access to levels one through twenty that we just discussed. Let's rewind a little bit and take a look at bardic colleges. Right. Um, there's two of them that are presented in the player's handbook. There's a number more in different source materials. Um, I'd like to go through the ones in the player's handbook a little bit more deeply since those tend to be really common because they're really accessible in the player's handbook. Uh, but then also touch on some of the other options that are available to people if they want to branch out and, and try some, some unique or slightly different variations to the bard, kind of like we talked about. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me start with uh, the College of Lore, which I think is uh, is the one that's available in the basic rules that are free on the website. Uh, and it really seems to be like it doubles down on what all bards can do uh, in a big way. And it honestly, it's one of my favorites because uh, I think they just they just killed it just perfectly, just nailed it on the head when they made this uh, subclass. And I think it's just very, very well done. Um, but uh, basically, this is the one who's all about, like you mentioned before with The Witcher, like going out and getting the experiences and the lore and the stories and the poems and the songs. Uh, if they didn't write them, uh, they, they're going to make sure that no one else forgets about them as time goes on. Um, and the the it's pretty straightforward but basically at third level when you take this you get three proficiency and three more skills <laughs> so you're proficient in 80 87 percent mm -hmm. of skills at this point or whatever it would be because that's a lot when you're yeah, looking at jack of all can, trades and this right and considering that you know between like say you know, most races and most backgrounds, that's going to be two, four, it's 10 um, skills that you can be proficient in right there at third level, not to mention the expertise that comes later, not to mention any other shenanigans. So yeah, there's a lot going on there, which is great. Um, and then they gain a new way to use their um, bardic inspiration. And that seems to be the big kind of fulcrum that all of these colleges are gonna turn on is what else can we let you do with this D6 and scaling of bardic inspiration other than just inspire people uh, that kind of suits and flavors your subclass or college. And so they get cutting words. And so instead of being able to uh, use a bonus action and help their, uh, their friends, uh, they can instead, when a, a foe uses, does an attack roll, ability check, or damage roll, you can use your reaction and spend a bargain inspiration die, and it subtracts that number. So it's just the exact same thing. It just uh, in reverse, it makes it harder for people. Um, and so that one is a lot of fun. And I think that some people, when they take a different college and realize that's not an option, they're like, oh, I kind of like that, you know? Yeah, no, uh, that can that can literally in game be the difference between life and death for your party. I've, I've seen it happen where I will roll damage and a party member will be like, well, that's it, I'm down. And the bard will pipe up and be like, oh, cutty words. 
And suddenly yeah. they're like, hey, I'm still alive. And it gives them just enough time on their next action. They're going to down that healing potion. They're going to get out of the fray. Um, and it keeps them up and from danger or harm or lots of other issues just yeah. by that that 1d6 can make or breaks things sometimes. Yeah, where that perfect comment comes in clutch. I, I think if you grew up as a kind of a insecure, awkward nerd, the biggest fantasy here is knowing exactly what to say at the exact right moment. And we're just like, yes, give us this all day long. Um, uh, at sixth level, they also get uh, an additional magical secrets earlier. Uh, so two more spells of any choice of any class. And then at level 14, the uh, lore bards can start to use their bardic inspiration on themselves, but only for ability checks uh, using that bardic inspiration die as, as always. Um, one of the few ways that you can actually use uh, that on yourself. Well, fun, fun story as you were talking about that. Uh, I ran a party of bards once. It was it was mm -hmm. kind of by accident. I mean, I knew everybody was bards, but the the players did not know independently. They were all creating bards. And combats were fabulous because they all just gave bardic inspiration to each other. And so everybody got bardic inspiration because they always like, okay, rotate one. <laughs> And so like all of these abilities are only for other people. They themselves actually benefited from because of yes. the fact that everyone in the party was just like rotating to everybody yeah. else. It was just, it was just a rolling. Uh, uh, it was uh, so fabulous. Self, what, what was it? The uh, mutual appreciation uh, uh, thing. What's it called? Uh, oh, mutual appreciation society. Yeah. It, it was great. It just, yeah. It, just, you can, you can have a lot of fun with these. Give me compliments. Give me compliments. Um, and then the other one that is in the player's handbook is the College of Valor. And they're a bit more martially inclined. Um, think more like a herald uh, with a um, uh, with a standing army or platoon. Uh, also, they might be the main main character or semi-main character in their own new great epic uh the best way to have a new great story is to is to be a part of it kind of idea um so maybe the witcher is a bit more like this uh his bard but um they get at level three proficiency with medium armor shields and martial weapons so it just opens up all of those categories mm -hmm. of things, which is great. Uh, they also can uh, get combat inspiration. So here's their little like trick with bardic inspiration is um, now they can add it to damage rolls from a weapon uh, attack. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So the inspiration die uh, from the roll can be added to the weapon damage that you just made. Um, and it can also be used... Um, as a reaction to with it when the attack roll is made against a creature you use the reaction to roll the bardic inspiration die and add the number rolled to its ac against that attack after seeing the roll before knowing if it hits or misses cool so they can either help their friends hit harder or in a pinch uh like you were mentioning before, almost like cutting words where they can bump their AC temporarily uh, to help them get out of a scrape, which is kind of fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and then at sixth level, they get extra attack. So they can attack twice when they hit the attack action. Typically, martial classes get this at fifth level. They get it, uh, but just a little bit later. 
and then they have battle magic at 14th level which is the last thing um that uh they can basically when they use their action to cast a bard spell they can also make a weapon attack as a bonus action so they can oh, wow. hurl insults and swing and daggers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, not just daggers. They can be a war axe if you want or a great sword because they got access to martial weapons, Casey. So they can truly be painful. The sticks and stones can hurt your bones. I have those too. I'll also use my words. <laughs> I feel like, uh, again, not, not with the intent to be combative, like in real life being combative with your DM, but I feel sure. like you could make an argument about potentially putting a creature at or putting the attack at advantage for that martial attack if you just hit them with a spell because if they're still reeling from whatever spell you did it would throw them off they wouldn't they wouldn't necessarily be fully conscious of what's about to come at them to be able to stop that attack or move out of the way and so i feel like you could make an argument that that follow-up attack would be at an advantage depending on the spell that you cast and so you could, you again, you could flavor this. It's all about storytelling, right? Tell me if it's as a DM, like if you tell me a story that makes total sense, it's really epic about like how this person is going to respond to the spell that you cast and stumble out of the mm -hmm. way and they don't see it coming as you sneak around the back or whatever. I'm, I'm going to go with you on that because I love that. Absolutely. And on to boot, a lot of their spells are already going to hinder or misdirect in some way uh their foes so that's pretty awesome um and yeah so there's uh, not that many official um uh bard colleges uh the ones that aren't in the player's handbook are college of creation eloquence glamour spirit swords and whispers um and they're all pretty short, but I'll give a basic overview of these as we kind of finish up with the bard here. Yeah, it seems like, I mean, even from the two in the PHB, um, it, it seems like, again, the, the bulk of what you're getting from your bard is accessible to any bard. The majority of yes. what you're getting is coming from just being a generic bard. It's not from being a subclass bard. Being the subclass just gives you kind of these extra little perks along the way. Yes. Whereas other classes, 90% of what's fun about that class comes from your subclass, right? You're not going to get a whole lot of anything useful from the generic class. Right. Um, and they, so this they, one they, I feel is flipped a little bit. Yeah, they, they've subscribed to Bard Plus or Bard Premium. <laughs> uh, like it, it's, a, it's like a normal Bard, but it's a little extra, you know, uh, but you pay a monthly fee. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, exactly right. Like the the through line of concept and abilities is strongest in just main bard as opposed to the subclasses. You're right. It does feel like a reversal in some ways, which is nice uh, because it works for the theme of of that class. But also, I love how there's such a diversity of kind of builds and concepts in the classes of D&D 5e that not just a, uh, con you know, control C, control V, you know, copy and paste just with different names and abilities of all the classes where things really are different. And there's a little bit of, of English on the ball every time you look at a new class uh, and how they're kind of constructed and what the conceit is. So that's kind of fun. Uh, so let's dive into uh college of creation yep so college creation it's about works of art um like you were kind of mentioning before uh it can be uh 
gosh, just everything. So uh, it can be singers, it can be painters, all that kinds of stuff, musical notes, um, stuff like that. But they're bardic inspirations. Interesting, it's called a moat of potential. And it actually has a, 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 a visible form, a little moat that kind of orbits the person who has it uh, within five feet of them, kind of swirling around them like they were Sylvester the cat got hit by an anvil or something, or Wiley e. Coyote. Uh, it's intangible and vulnerable and lasts uh, until the die is lost. Um, it can look like a musical note, flower, something like that. So when they use that for an ability check, um, they can, oh, okay, cool. So basically they can use it for the, the things they always use it for, which is ability checks, attack rolls, and saving throws, but there's an extra little like bump depending on what they used it for. So um, when you use it for an ability check, you can roll the die um, and then roll it again and choose which of those inspiration dies you want to use. So you get advantage on the inspiration die, mm. which is kind of fun. Um, when you do it with an attack roll, um, the uh, person who they hit with that attack roll, uh, they have to make a con save. Uh, or they'll take uh, thunder damage equal to that damage. Ooh. Equal to that die roll, right? Because it, it, when it, that little moat like it explodes, it's like a, a sick guitar riff or whatever, you know? Um, <laughs> just thunder they come damage. back to the future mm -hmm. with the amp. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or Bill and Ted's, exactly. Uh, and then with saving throws, um, uh, when you use it for a saving throw, you can actually gain temporary hit points equal to the number that you rolled plus um, the bard's charisma modifier. So it has this extra little bump to it. You get temporary hit points when you use it for a saving throw. Interesting. It's a lot more to keep track of, but it is. I mean, it's worth it. It, it could is. be worth it, yeah. Yeah, uh, the other kind of cool thing they can do too is that they can create a uh, animated items that, like a Pied Piper or like Mickey uh, with the uh, Sorcerer's Apprentice where their songs and stuff can actually give life to, uh, to various mundane items like brooms and wardrobes and, and uh, mugs of ale. Uh, <laughs> and they can do different things uh, for you both inside and outside of combat, which is kind of fun. Yeah, I have so <laughs> my brain is just like going crazy with ways that I would use that. Oh yeah, just complete shenanigans. But mm -hmm. I love that it's it's very inspiring and role play. Oh uh, yeah, it really is. Uh, College of Eloquence is one of my favorites. Uh, I think this one originally came to us through um, uh, the um, Greek mythology based one. Um, uh, Mythic Odysseys. Mythic Odysseys of Theros, thank you. Um, so uh, third level, they get silver tongue. Uh, when they make a persuasion or deception check, if you rolled a nine or lower, it, just treat it as you rolled a 10. So you can never roll lower than a 10. Correct. Basically. And you'll still add your bonuses to that at the end. It only is talking about the die roll, not the total number. What level is that at? With this? Third. Third level. Third, okay. Yeah, you know, real, real easily attainable. So you'd actually. be at like, well, like a third. You'd probably be at a twelve or thirteen, right? Because if you get, if you rolled a ten and got your modifier. Oh, but these are bards, though. <laughs> so that's a twenty-three. Uh, 
Um, they also have unsettling words, which is like a sick burn, uh, which is interesting because it's one of the ways you can, a new way you can use the bardic inspiration is it's like the cutting words uh, from Lorebard, but it actually makes them, makes the target subtract the number that you rolled to their next saving throw. Oh. So far, none of this has hurt anyone else's saving throws. Yeah. Which is huge because saving throws are how you get out of things. And this is a thing to get out of that hurts how you get out of things, uh, if that makes any kind of sense. And on top of that, a lot of bard spells require saving throws, and it's going to last until the start of your next turn. And so uh, this is something that you can do as a bonus action so you can give them a sick burn make them demoralized and then cast hold person or something making it all that much harder for them to make the save mm -hmm. which is awesome uh so yeah so that's kind of their kind of cool things is uh what they can do even more things with their words uh then you have college of glamour um this is kind of fey wild themed um uh, you know, satyrs, ladrons, fey, that kind of stuff. And uh, it's about like awe and fear are kind of the themes and, and main ideas here. Um, their cool thing at third level is called the mantle of inspiration. Um, so you can use your bardic inspiration to give yourself a wondrous appearance. Um, and any creature within 60 feet of you equal to the number of creatures equal to your charisma modifier. Uh, they can either, they can gain five temporary hit points um, and then they can immediately use the reaction to move their speed without provoking opportunity attacks. What? Wow. Get them, get them men. You're like, aha, we can do it. We have the legendary hero with us, right? Um, and then those temporary hit points increase as you go. Um, and then uh, there's a less combat oriented uh, one at third level also called enthralling performance, uh, which basically, as long as you perform for at least one minute, um, uh, the number of people equal to your charisma modifier, uh, they have to make a wisdom save or they're charmed by you. Uh, so basically being able to hold an audience in sway, whether the audience right. is the king or a bunch of kids on the street in the town square. Yeah, I was gonna say this wouldn't work in combat, but it would be a no. really great way to like make a make room for the rogue to sneak into a building mm -hmm. or keep the guards distracted so the rest of the team can can sneak in, right? And then as the bard, you could probably just use your language to convince them to let you in, right? Your deception, your mm -hmm. persuasion. And then after your party's in, you could just be like, oh yeah, I just need to get in here real quick, roll a 22 and be like, okay, sounds legit. <laughs> Yeah, and they tell like this whole like long story for like a couple of minutes and they're enthralled and then they see the rogue get out and then they're like, oh, well, you know what? This is the wrong place. Never mind. Forget what I said. And they leave like, what, what, what just happened? But how did it end? Yeah, it's just like that right before. And then when they open the door, <laughs> oh, you know what? This is the wrong place. Sorry, guys, I wasted your time. Bye. Like, how did I know the story? It's uh, <laughs> <that's> really good. That's <laughs> really good. Um, then we also have... Uh, uh, College of Spirits, uh, which is like being a medium. It, it's kind of like creepy, ooky, ooey gooey ghost stuff. Um, you get the Guidance Cantrip, again, another kind of buff spell. Uh, but what this one does is it's you almost embody 
aspects of the stories that you tell. Interesting. Right? So the way it says tales from beyond, it says you reach out to spirits who tell their tales through you. You can use a bonus action to expend your uh, barring inspiration, and then you roll on a table to determine the tale the spirit uh, directs you to tell. Uh, and oh. then it has a there's like a bunch of different um, options here. Everything from um, you can give out temporary hit points. Uh, you can do extra force damage. Uh, tail like there's like the tail of the runaway lets you teleport uh, 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see um yeah it, it's so amazing. it's like wild magic but safer. it's it's wild magic <laughs> uh mm, we'll see not necessarily uh, okay while it's like wild magic period period no, it's bardic <laughs> wild magic yeah yeah like it's like how chaucer used to complain that when people were like you know why did you have the lady of bath you know act this way and he's like i th that's not my fault she acts the way she acts uh whereas like the stories sometimes tell themselves and mm -hmm. you're just a go-between which is I a like, really kind of cool idea i like the idea of a college of of spirits uh halfling because there's the one subclass of halfling that can like communicate with their ancestors yeah is that's not the ghost wise one is it? Uh, ghost walker something something like that yeah something yeah but there's that one like you could you could then like build these oh, so yeah. that it's all like spirits and you know helpful like talking to people seeing people just be kind of a fun mashup to see how you could evolve that oh absolutely yeah that one gets a lot of fun and, and i don't see it used as often because of the chaotic nature of it sometimes but man there's a lot of good role play uh ideas there um then to left uh college of swords um, this one is almost like a beefed up version of the College of Valor, which I kind of prefer College of Swords a little bit, actually. Uh, again, it's going to give you medium armor, uh, and it's also going to give you proficiency with a scimitar. Uh, so you don't get all the martial weapons, but you get more stuff. Um, but it also lets you use a, a, um, a weapon you're proficient with as your spellcasting focus. So instead of having to have like a rod or a wand or an orb, the sword you're holding is your, your focus, which is kind of fun. Um, you get uh, one of two fighting styles, like a fighter. Um, and the new way that you get to use your party uh, uh, inspiration is kind of like a battle master where you can do different flourishes. So kind of fancy footwork, okay. acrobatic stuff. So like the mobile flourish or the slashing flourish or defensive flourish. Uh, so like, for instance, the slashing flourish, you can spend one use of your bardic inspiration to cause a weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit and to any other creature of your choice you can see within five feet of you. Ooh. The damage is equal to the number of what you rolled on your bardic inspiration die. Nice. So yeah a lot of cool stuff isn't there Six a saying about like making swords sing uh there is the legend of the singing sword but uh yeah swords do sing and hum and yeah i like that yeah nice <laughs> um and then sixth level extra attack uh so on and so forth um so a different version of um uh, of that kind of more martial inclined bard where it's about not about 
the battle and being the hero but like you said we almost you know kind of joked it's like letting the swords sing you know watching me in battle is like watching a beautiful dancer uh why go to the the museum to see a painting when you can watch me defeat this fool you know uh so it's kind of the vibe i pick up on that one um and then the last one is college of whispers uh this is very much like um like spies and uh, clandestine operations. Um, these are um, basically, they're like, we, we're gonna uncover secrets and stories no matter what, even if these secrets should really stay hidden and especially if it's none of our business. Um, and so they can oftentimes be part of like a secret cult or a, um, or a uh, independent uh, spy organization, you know, like they're part of Shield or something from Marvel. Um, it reminds me a lot. I, I don't know if you've played them, but the Nathan Drake games, the Uncharted. Yeah, yeah, games, I'm familiar. It reminds me a lot of those because it's it's a lot of that like forbidden knowledge, right? Like nobody knows what happens. Yes. He goes out, he finds out what happens, and realizes that he should not have. Um, and it's yes. always like the like happy sad ending uh mm -hmm. but that's kind of what it reminds me of, of like i'm, I'm gonna figure yeah. this out that's uh, a really well, good analogy lots of people kept this hidden because lots of people died because yeah. this thing is terrible but now you yeah. know and you open pandora's box so <laughs> yeah so congratulations very um uh um national treasure yeah. vibes too yeah but I think the Nathan Drake is probably a better apt uh, analogy. The rogue, um, the like child that was raised in a family of rogues, but really mm -hmm. was like the Miguel from Coco that like secretly played guitar in hiding. <laughs> and so they came out of it like with these random skill sets and abilities that they went out into the world. <laughs> like, how can I use these? <laughs> nice. Um, the uh, kind of cool thing though here is that what they get to do with their bardic inspiration is they get psychic blades. So when you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expend one of your bardic inspiration and it does an extra 2d6 psychic damage to the target. Oh man, that would be great for a lot of things. Yes, it would. Right, because most things are like immune to weapons that aren't magical or resistant mm, or, to them or yes. resistant to BPS, but they'd even if, even if they were and you hit with your sword and did no damage, you would still be able to hurt them. Yes, which exactly. Is, that's really cool. It is really, really cool because th these are almost like the Eldritch Horror uh, bards, right? They've seen some stuff, like you said, they should not have seen. And they are going to inflict the abject terror of the unnaturalness of what they have seen on you when they hit you, which is kind of fun. Um, and they, uh, along those lines, they also can do things like words of terror and cause people to be frightened, uh, have the frightened condition, be terrified, that kind of stuff. Kind of like the awe and wonder that we saw with the um, College of Glamour on the other side of things. But um, yeah, so uh, that's College of Whispers. And that is our overview of the subclasses of Bards, the colleges. So the thing I want to wrap up with, we don't normally do this with our, our class breakdowns, but because Bard is so near and dear to both of our hearts, but especially yours, and I think that like 
80% of the episodes leading up until this point, we've mentioned bards or talked about bards in some mm -hmm. way. Uh, I would just love to hear your take on like, what are some really good bard combos? Maybe what are some of your favorite bards that you've built or ways that you can play them or take them um, and just let you nerd out for just a few minutes about bards and like all the cool things they can do or the cool things you've done with them or seen people do as a DM. Okay, so I'll, I'll mention two things real quick. One, one of my favorite like go-to, especially early on in my days of playing 5e uh, kind of builds is the half-elf lore bard because you end up getting something like 75% of all of the skills you're proficient in, jack of all trades for the ones you don't. You have four more things that you can do with uh, your expertise. And the reason I love skills so much that if you're a clever player, and I, I try to be, is that there's not a lot people can do in game or, or meta out of game to take away your skills. You can lose weapons, you can you can run out of spell slots, you can lose your armor, you can be, you know, handcuffed, but your skills you always have with you. And there's always a way to find something to do with a skill. And so just being good at so much stuff and being clever and having to never do anything else but your skills uh, that you also, by the way, get to use on yourself at level 14 is a lot of fun um, in really embodying that jack of all trades um, is just so much fun for me. The other one I'll say is this, is that there was a character that I made for a bard basically the concept was um going from the introduction in the player's handbook about kind of like how they're piggybacking and on the echoes of creation and all this kinds of stuff and i gave him a background of an acolyte to where he is a person who was raised in the church but got disillusioned with it and stepped away from his uh his pantheon and his god because he realized that it wasn't the only game in town they're nothing special it's a life of servitude and not necessarily in the good way because he's like so you know you're fueled by the the, the goddess so you can heal people well i can too so why are you special you're not and I can do things that you can't do. I can do a lot of things. That a lot so you of made a bitter bard. I made a, a a bitter like like religious trauma bard basically, um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it wasn't available at the time. But I think I would have gone College of Whispers with that. Uh, to to I I re I might re resurrect that character actually. It's in my D and D Beyond still. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, I really love that concept of the fact that that they have a indirect access to kind of religious themes and that their magical abilities cross over arcane and divine, that that would also create a perspective and a worldview in this character that was kind of hostile to things that are structured and kind of hostile to it has to be this way when they're just like no they don't clearly they don't look see just because you say it is doesn't mean it's true that's my job um 
So yeah, so that, that that's as much as I'll nerd out about about bards right now because uh, otherwise it'll go way too long. But uh, yeah, I love bards. it. So uh, that is the bard fabulous class to play, um, and one that you can take whichever way you want. If you want to be full on spellcaster, you can go that route. You can also take it in the direction of being more martial and having that spellcasting ability. So it's very versatile, especially as a player. If you can't decide what you want to play, you could just play a bard and then make your decision by level three. If you're if you're a DM starting you at level one, so it gives you way more options than maybe some of the other classes do. And if you like to tell stories, it gives you the opportunity to do that in a way that would collaborate really well with the DM and expand upon the world that is being presented to everyone very naturally. Absolutely. Toot toot magic flute. If you don't have enough dice to make it through your game after every single set gets put in dice jail, make sure you check out the critical dice and their endless bag of dice. You can get a new set of dice delivered to your doorstep every single month for as low as seven bucks a month. Compendium listeners can actually also get a special offer by using the code Compendium, C-O-M-P-E-N-D-M, for 50% off of your first month of dice. Just go to thecriticaldice.com and use that code at checkout. We hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation this week. If you haven't done so already, it would really help us out if you would take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. The Compendium is also on Patreon. So if you like listening, that is a great way to help contribute to the content that we create. New episodes are available every Tuesday and Friday or Monday and Thursday if you're a patron. And you can always keep up with us between episodes by following us on social media. Just look up the compendium, that's C-O-M-P-E-N-D-M on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Jason also shares a bunch of great content and plot hooks on his page, The Critical Dice. So make sure that you check him out and follow him as well. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you guys next time.